Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including Matt Lacey, David Walker, Tim Edwards, Illico Elia, Andy Hagen, Jamie Holland, Roland Roberts, Ian Wilkinson, Alistair Harding, Dan Laney, Ian Mercer and John Balshaw. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us for as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Ruth Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This week, we are talking all about... Ewan, the origin story. A special treat for you, Mr. McLeod, coming up next. Bring it on. Chaps, welcome back. Come on. How are you doing? I'm very well. Very relaxed, even. And smelling lovely. I am. Yes. There's yeah. still a faint lavender aroma. Actually, the closer you get to Rafe Blanford, the more intense the lavender aroma becomes. I discovered earlier as I passed him. Uh, Do you lovely. think, uh, I hope the listeners really enjoyed, or mildly enjoyed last week's episode? Well, I know I, I enjoyed it. I suppose we'll find out, but I, for one, am now pitching the 361 Scratch and Sniff edition because that, that, that yeah. at least for the next 20 minutes, is, is quite an experience. And well, Rafe's still. be good for our next kind of Patreon giveaway. Perhaps. Still fragrant. Well, I've been, I've been wondering about what we should do. Yeah. And actually, I was thinking that given you McLeod, um, you McLeod makes our listeners have feelings. I think he does. He does yes. Some, sometimes people have opinions okay, well, about that, the that things you say. That doesn't happen anymore, does it? The because red capital letters typing brigade still get in touch sometimes. Although not, I have to say your your classic was season three, episode three. I looked it up the other day, which was the I want to have the best phone than everyone else, and I don't want them to have it. And I was talking about the importance of status symbols. The the, 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 oh. the yes, but that you was kind of lost in the yeah. personal. <laughs> and I was also message. the reverse I mean, point was that it's making smartphones generally. Enabled available for the, everybody. The critical point here is Ewan makes the US Congress look bipartisan. <laughs> so I was thinking, I was thinking, well, you know, maybe what we should do is we should say, how could we reward Ewan, you know, for, for his participation in the show? Now that Rafe's had his go, we'd have your go. And then okay. you told sounds good. You told us some news and I think now's the time to share your news with us. Right. Okay. My, my news is I, I've got a new job. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. A paper round. Yeah. Well, it's a permanent Paper round equivalent. And oh, right. I'm, uh, okay. I'm delighted to say I'm moving to Nordea ah. uh, Bank. That's the largest bank in the Nordics, and in Northern Europe. What is a Nordic when it's uh, Scandinavia. So uh, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, um, the Faroe Islands. <laughs> you, you looked that up, didn't you? Uh, no, no. It's, it's Blanford <laughs> told me that earlier. <laughs> I went, really? Yes. I was at RBS. I uh, had a great time there. Royal Bank of Scotland. Thank you very yep. much. Lovely time there. So roll at Nordea? Pardon? Roll at Nordea? Roll, oh, the roll. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you said roll out Nordea. Oh, yeah, but I'm chief digital officer. Wow. One, one of two. It's a joint role. Yeah, that's a bit Paul. fancy. Fancy. There we are. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Are you now too important to be on the podcast? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, I have mentioned it. <laughs> I they, don't know he's not the right answer. <laughs> I don't know what? Okay, well, I, um, I'll, I'll need to check, but as far as I'm aware... Again, I'll check I, with Nordea High Command that I, they are aware that I'm... I need uh, to check. Again, he's not... not what? what? <laughs> Is it not... Okay, let me... Let me um, I, I just assumed when we discussed it earlier and you went, oh, it won't have any impact on the podcast, that you wouldn't then come on the podcast and go, well, maybe, I don't know. I'm, I just... I, I'm automatically having to hedge 
you know, right. never give definitive answers. Never, never mind this. <laughs> New Patreon fundraiser. I wonder where we get the idea from. For every dollar you send him, we send you McLeod one European state further away. We, we could have Excellent. him in. We could have him in Moscow by Christmas. <laughs> and, um, Siberia by be, the it'll, New it'll, Year. It'd be brilliant. Just think of all the filters you can remove from the noise levels now as, as a result <laughs> of Apologists. that. I, I, there's a serious point here. Oh, is there? In that. Actually, despite the new role, for which many congratulations, you in generally, because it's you. really exciting. We will be continuing the 361 podcast. So the intention is that we will we'll do some remote. We'll continue to do some in person. Yep. May, may well do a field trip out to Denmark. Yeah, three, I think it gives us a chance to actually explore some new ground. So yeah. great. Come and visit me in Copenhagen. 361 carries on. We'll, uh, we, you know, as you, as many listeners will know, we record a few of these at a time and then release them over time. And we'll, we might do a bit more of that. And yes, we'll have Mr. McLeod video conference in or audio conference in and, and join us. As, if right. he can find time in his busy schedule. Exactly. I'll get my people to call your people. Yeah, excellent. We're Rafe, take a note, get people. Right. Okay. okay. All right. So now. <laughs> We started talking about you, McLeod, and we're going to keep talking about you, McLeod. Because that's always going to be an excellent episode. The, I mean, he's been waiting a, a long time for a this. A rich vein, yes. Well, we thought, what haven't we done yet? Oh, I know. Let's, let's introduce ourselves properly to the listenership. It's been five short years, and it's time to say hello and introduce ourselves properly. So, you, McLeod, this is your moment to shine. Right. This is your we're, life. We're going to do the you, McLeod story. So there are some people from Nordea listening to this now. Well, this is going to be fascinating for them and possibly a rerun of the interview process or not, depending on how honest you were during that process. <laughs> so it's all public record. All right. So, so we thought it was time, joking aside, we thought it was time to go back and actually just reflect on like, how did you end up here? Like, how did you end up interested in right. mobile? Context. How did you, yeah, how did you get interested? Yeah. Why is it more than a job? Like, what have you done? What shaped your experiences? Because we mentioned in passing the other week, like you had a business, an SMS, and nightclubs, yep. but we kind of skated over that. And I was thinking, actually, I know that actually like- that, Some great stories. That was there. an interesting thing because you were doing mobile in the early days, dealing with all these sort of silly challenges. I thought, right, now's, now's the time to go back. But before we talk mobile- First I business. Want, I want the yeah. f- so you've been an entrepreneur, I think, in the in the real sense of entrepreneur, mm. in terms of aggressively wanting to hurt other people and take their money. I think, or you know, no, I think what you mean is losing your house. Exactly. Yes, yes. you wanted to live on, to sell your house because you screwed it up. Live on the yes, edge. That's proper entrepreneuring. Yeah. You've done that since school. Now, just tell the listeners the story that you told Rafe and I about selling sweets at school. Well, uh, okay, well, selling the sweets isn't the interesting bit. It's no. the impact that it had. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I did have a tuck shop or a, a sweet shop at so school. For American listeners, yeah. this is a, a, a shop run by students selling confectionery to other students. The, yeah. the School snacks. endorsed. The, the, eld, the, the older students would always run a tuck shop yeah. really badly. And that irritated me a lot. And so why, why did you think it was bad? Well, I would stand, I have to stand there in an inordinate long queues because they were busy flirting with each other. How old were you? 16. <laughs> so 16, you and McLeod is in the queue for the stopwatch. Yeah, the service level is terrible. Right, because if you spend 20 minutes of your one-hour break waiting because some guy's busy, you know, I place my you... order with a guy. Yeah. He's busy going, oh, yeah, wait a minute. He's busy flirt, 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 okay, and then so... gives me the wrong order. So and you got the same chocolate bar as everyone else. Yeah. And you, So you were you were dissatisfied with the, the efficiency was... of the operation. So what did you do about it? I went it? to the headmaster and said, right, I'd like to start, start a rival tuck shop. I'm going to call it Megabyte. I had to pay five quid a week for rent. I, I thought that was quite cheap myself. And I hired a load of students. I hired the school bully as well. <laughs> I paid him a, a can of Coconut Mars bar every um, every lunchtime. Why did, make you, sure it, why did you hire him? Well, because the classroom they gave me for my, was at the opposite end of the school, it had a door in it. So students could correctly, you were allowed to walk through, but you could walk in there for grab a handful of sweets. I see. You needed security. You I needed did. muscle. And so... 
I did deliveries. Fast forward, loads of deliveries in the school. You could actually order in advance. We had uh, one window is where you placed your order, and then the other window is where we'd actually give you the, the order. You uh, invented drive through No, I copied it from McDonald's. Fair enough. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, but I had to stop because the, um, well, there's two issues. One, the bank, my mother had to deposit the money because they wouldn't take it from me, from the proceeds of the tuck shop. And it, it actually generates a lot of cash. 1500 quid a day in, in revenue, right? In cash. 151500. Yeah, a lot of money. Right, because there's 1500 students come into the school, right? Each with yeah. a pound at least, right? And it was a monopoly. And the service level that we put on, because I hired all the students to, to help me, was way, way, way better than the, the, the sixth form nonsense people. So I taught them a lesson. Their business went under really quickly. <laughs> I wish the <laughs> listeners could see your body language. Because you're, you're like, hey. That'll learn them. Yeah. Uh, that was really, I really. But, but there was a bigger issue, really, wasn't there? One of the guys who was working with me, I think I was paying about 15 quid an hour, which at that point was significant because it was a share of the proceeds. Because again, if I pay you a share of the proceeds, then you're less likely to eat them, was my yeah. thinking. But then his mother found out the amount of money that he was earning and she was a dinner lady. And she was getting paid something like a pound or something, like a pound an hour, one pound 12 or something. I mean, this, this was, was quite a while ago. This was 95 or something, 90 yeah. something. They threatened to strike, I think, if, if memory serves. <laughs> you instigate. He was the cause of industrial well, there action. Was, there was, there was, basically, the, there was, the conversations were had and, you know, yeah. the first thing the school said to me, look, there's, there's too much litter, so you need to stop. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it's not, it's not my litter. I don't sell those sweets. Mm-hmm. So I hired some first years. <laughs> litter pickers. Yeah, they went around and picked up the litter for a Mars bar. But eventually I had to st- stop it. Yeah. I had a great time. That was a formative experience though, right? Because I really enjoyed setting up businesses. And you, stuff. you learned about the man and regulation. Yes. So yeah. I did lots of smaller businesses. And then I yeah. uh, went to university and decided to stop. You know, my mother yeah. had said, you know, don't mess around and you know, focus. Uh, need to focus here. I'd been doing a lot of work with AOL. I'd set up the online community for, for AOL when they launched in the UK. And while you were at university? No, I was at school. Wow. As a school, the, the phone bills were shocking, shocking, like hundreds, hundreds of pounds a week. But AOL paid them in return for my services. And I, I think the revenue we generate at that point, is you had to pay AOL per hour. So you yeah. paid the phone bill, which was like two or three pounds an hour, and you had to pay AOL as well. So it, it, that model, the more you stayed online, the more you had to pay. And I created a really cool community that people seemed to enjoy, and that, that worked really nice. So that could be into online communities and interactivity. So fast forward then, what came first? First mobile related business or first mobile phone that you owned first mobile phone was a nortel when i went to university and i went to uh, one of those kind of rubbish shops that were just flogging contracts you know oh yeah mate we'll get your contract no worries brilliant i can't tell where in the world that shop was well, that was in uh Oxford street and um it was a one-to-one oh, t-mobile so yes yeah, yeah, i was able to phone my mum very cool that was the first year of university then i, I wrote to richard branson as you do. Well, yeah, yeah anyone Richard. can. And just said, look, I, I, I hear you're starting a Virgin Net. I've been doing teen community for AOL. Let me know if I could help. And he connected me to their, he wrote back saying, yeah, I can speak to the MD of Virgin Net, which I did. And uh, with a colleague, I created a business doing online communities for them. And then I created another community, online communities. I was really quite enjoyed the precursor to blogs and, and, uh, and that kind of stuff. And then with another colleague, who was into finance, we we went and we raised a million dollars wow. back in 1999. That's when Urban Fetch launched, by the way, right? Oh, um, you were talking about episode, last week. Yeah, okay, right? yeah. And that was 21. And the business was livefornow.com. And that was the public face. And then the service business was chat rooms. So, you know, I started off doing chat rooms, interactivity, that kind of stuff. And How, how do, just colour me curious, because at 21, I was probably in the pub. 
How does a 21-year-old raise a million pounds to start a business? Well, I don't know much about the finances. So my, my colleague, Serena, I'd, I'd met her, I just bumped into her. And this, this was the, um, this is 98, I think it was, and the dot-com time was here and it was really exciting. And she quit her job and I was still a student and I was thinking of quitting because that's what the Yahoo guys had done. Google wasn't really around at this point. It was just beginning. Yeah. Look, um, look where the Yahoo guys are now. Well, indeed, indeed. And we went and met a venture capitalist and um, we, we pitched hundreds in the UK. They were all, they all said no. And it was American venture capitalists that said, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll take a chance. So the answer to my question was, you got a million pounds by asking dollars. for it. Um, a million dollars by, by asking. asking for it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so the first business wasn't mobile. It was not. No. What, mobile. When did mobile no data start? mobile at that point. Right? So, so when did mobile um, start? A few iterations on and I was doing content control for various different uh, services. So if you've got a chat room, you want to control the content, you don't want people swearing and messing around. Premium rate SMS had just started and teletext had the ability for you to actually send a, an SMS to a screen and then it would display on, on teletext. So you'd actually see the message there and they charge you a pound or two pounds, but they needed, because of the broadcasting rules, these messages had to be read before they went to air. And I managed to win the contract for that. And that's how I got into mobile. I mean, I was, I was a geek, a mobile geek, but yeah. there wasn't much to geek out at this point. I mean, Nokia's were just rubbish, you know. Just so so you, yeah. got, you got in through the moderation angle, but I know yeah. shortly after that, you kind of expanded to almost do the, the full service offering. So it was an out-of-the-box solution. Yes. And the most famously for, for nightclubs. Yeah, I just love the idea of an SMS to screen service in nightclubs. I spent quite a lot of my youth in nightclubs. I didn't really drink that much. I was too busy working and I just wanted a job. I wanted money. I wanted to be able to have fun and, and just buy stuff. So I just thought I'll, I'll work. <laughs> this is quicker. The right. Ewan McLeod patented have fun methodology. Buy stuff. Don't drink <laughs> beer. Don't go out. Well, I realized that at university, um, everyone was nonsensical by 9 p.m. So I, I just have a pint of Coke. And then by 9 p.m., I just go home and work and code <laughs> and create stuff. So I, I coded an SMS to screen facility that used. Uh, virtual mobile numbers, some of the first ever virtual mobile numbers. So each nightclub would be given its own long mobile number because that's free to text to. Yeah. Um, I'd display that on the big screen and it'd be my system that was plugged in to the DJ booth. And you, if you went into a nightclub, you could actually send a message to the screen and communicate with the other 1,500, 2,000 people in, in the audience. Really, really exciting. I had a great time there. But the first night I launched this service. How many nightclubs were you in that night? No, only one. The, 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 the first, first the absolute okay. first, just just a test. It was um, one in Chelmsford, the one of my youth, um, the Duke's experience. For anyone that knows it, not there anymore, alas. But we we launched it there, and um, ten o'clock is when you go live. Everything was perfectly fine, and then I think around about eleven o'clock, the the system had just started. The DJ was you know, pro hey, send a text message. It's amazing, and people were getting their phones out. Oh, this is really cool, and texting each other on the screen. Really, really nice. And were they talking to each other or just yeah, like they, saying, they you know, were doing girl in the red dress is really fit. Right. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Nonsense. Mess. Or you know, shout out to Dal and uh, nice one Gaza. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. But it was, it was just fun seeing your message on the screen, yeah. but a lot of them were requesting, they were saying to the DJ, could you play this tune or whatever? And, and was the DJ going along with it? Yeah. He yeah, loved it. Yeah, yeah. They, they really enjoyed the interactivity, right? Yeah. Very effective. And then at 11 o'clock, everything stopped. And I think it was 11 o'clock because that's when I, I said, what, what, uh, I, all, I had four phones, one for each network. I'm busy texting and the messages weren't coming through to the system. And that's why I had to phone the company that I'd got to do this and say, look, why aren't SMSs coming through? I had to get the guy out of bed, basically. And he said, oh, yeah, um, oh, it's 11 o'clock. I said, yeah. He said, let me just phone T-Mobile or one-to-one. So he phoned one-to-one because I think they were the aggregator for all these messages. He phoned me back later on and said, yeah, it's fine now. Five minutes later, he said, it's fine. 
said, cool, what, what was the problem? He said, oh, we've just deleted the queue. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, the, the, the one-to-one queue, a big message queue had built up because of a backup being taken, taking place or something. And we just deleted 50,000 messages. Um, so the system's working now. Not 50,000 of my message, but 50,000 SMS messages that got plugged up. They just deleted them. So this was literally like the messages this is are like gone network now. operator. I just go and delete them. Yeah, um, there we go. Done, sorted. That is my first experience with, with the rubbish, rubbish infrastructure of mobile. I was astounded at that, but delighted the system was working again, right? Because there was some backup process was happening at the same time. That's why there was been a message queue. Didn't delete the backup, delete the queue, everything's fine. What year was this? Oh, dear. Uh... I want to say 2004 or something, 2000 okay. something, 2003 so, or four or five. Uh, yeah. Early days of mobile. Maybe 2001, yeah. something like that. Yeah, very, okay. very early. Okay. There were no shortcuts at that point. What's also fascinating about this, I know from having talked to you about it before, is to our minds of the technology day, it was all pretty simple stuff in terms yeah. of, you know, you had MySQL on the back end and a couple yeah, of server, ser- servers running. Yeah. Yeah. And then you started to scare that and actually went out to how many sort of nightclubs in the end? Well, the, the contract we had was with uh, Luminar Leisure. There were 300 nightclubs in the chain. I can't remember how many we actually did. It was a, um, a good um, portion of them. And then the interesting thing was you actually found that it had life beyond just the screens themselves and that you almost set up a nascent social network because people would start communicating through this and then continue to communicate afterwards because you did yeah. P2P messaging. I was the Mark Zuckerberg. Of SMS screens. Of basics. Of Chelmsford. <laughs> no, what, what I'd done is I'd, I'd, I had to give everyone a username. So when you, I, I saw a unique mobile number, I'd say, okay, that's, uh, that's user 2128. Right. You could change your, your nickname if you yeah. want, but you could then, I made it so you could send a private message by saying nickname, like user 2128 space, hi, how are you? And then what was fascinating was across the week, people would be texting each other via that nightclub number. They'd save that in their phone and they'd be texting Gaza to say, are you going up Dukes next week? You know, that kind of fascinating. And I was... I was on the, on the cusp of turning that into a, um, a social network, right? Because there, there were millions, 5 million, I think it's 5.6 million, 18 to 24 year olds went through these nightclubs every week. So it, it was a massive opportunity. And you but, didn't know um, what a social network was at that point, though. There no, was no, no one had a clue. No one had an idea. Yeah. No. But nobody had invented social networking. No. And I know no. the other interesting thing about this, you, you had the early experience of mobile being able to drive footfall into an actual specific location and so you were kind of using it as a broadcast mechanism and for one particular club you did this and what happened well we'd um one particular club it was a a really really big one we sent out um thousands of sms messages i think thirteen thousand sms we sent out uh saying hey look come on on a tuesday night which nothing happens on tuesday right we said come down to the club it's open um we're just doing a test so you you'd gone into mobile advertising yeah we just thought we'll try it um with with the manager (laughs) and um thousands of people turned up so it was, it was a dead night. It was open because I think there was staff training or something. They said, well, well, the club's open anyway. The DJ will be playing, but let's just try it. And we sent the message, I think, at 6 p.m. And by, I think, it, by about 9, we said it opens at 9, uh, which is very early for a nightclub, right? And they were trying to compete against the bars as well. I think the, the capacity was 2,500. And they'd filled that immediately by about nine or 10. I don't remember the actual specifics now because it's quite a while ago, but it was extraordinary. But the local police had said, look, if you're going to do that again, you need to let us know because otherwise we've got to get the horses out <laughs> because of that amount of people, <laughs> oh. which is just a start. So when you talk mobile advertising, when you that mean, was the, when the you local mean, mobile advertising, which was absolutely astonishing, the, the amount of people it drove into the the nightclub. So when you say horses, you mean literally mounted police? Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, you yes, wouldn't, so. wouldn't get conversion rates like that 
today. But the other interesting thing I know from talking to you about this is that that kind of uh, did continue and you learned a lot about it, but you continue to have a bad experience with operators because one of the things you wanted to do was just text the people that were near the club, a kind yeah. of a location query. And I think I have talked about this, this before and I remember speaking to the guys at MX Telecom. They were one of the aggregators I used saying, look, they phoned me and said, look, we've got this location idea. Could you use it? I said, yes, brilliant. Okay, so of the, the, the 15,000 people in this database, I can locate only the 2,000 that are in this city or this town you know, uh, and therefore, would, yeah, and say, hey, come on to the nightclub, because a lot of people would stay in the bar, you see, and not go to the nightclub. And so there's a massive push to try and get them into the club. But that was 10 pence, or 11 pence, including that, every single lookup. That was a model. I said, that's not going to work. What you mean? I've got to pay per number. So I've got to pay 15,000 numbers times 11 pence. And then you'll tell me which ones are in you know, this, the vicinity. Yes. Right, well, tell Vodafone or whoever it is, that is not going to work. That is ridiculous. And we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I, I saw this whole concept grow and then die. Because what happened, basically, the smartphone arrived and the GPS, we just, we just went over the top. The operator still has that capability today, right? But they just didn't price it correctly. So I was hugely frustrated. And I was a, an actual customer in massive need of this technology. They just couldn't get the pricing right. And it's a great example of where the operators actually had quite a lot of smartness and context intelligence built in, and they were kind of overtaken by it because the, there was almost a sense that this is something you should pay per use for because it was regarded as transactional, yeah. not as contextual information. When I information. spoke to a nightclub and said, it's going to cost me, you know, or cost you, you know, 11 pence per number to do this lookup. Because I said, I won't charge you. This is a great facility for you. And they said, no, that's ridiculous. About a year later, someone phoned up. So would you do it for a thousand pound a month fixed fee? I said, well, at the markets, you know, my, my guys don't care. And you, you missed the boat, sadly. And we'll just use GPS. Yeah. And yeah. of course, at that point, it was almost cheap. You just to send the message to everyone anyway. It, well, it definitely was, yeah. So yeah. you started a couple of businesses and we, we got to the point now where we're talking about the mobile one. You mm. did, you know, mo communities first and yeah. then onto mobile. What about the first one you sold? So when was the first time you got the idea that actually something you'd made, you could sell and, and make a, a company? company. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I mean, obviously you built services and you yes. knew you could sell that. But then, you know, when did you think, oh, I, um, this has value to there, somebody there else? Was, there was one, one time that I, I walked in, I'd, I'd arrived. They, they said, look, um, could you bring the addendum to the contract down? And I said, well, I'll just email it. They said, no, no, could you bring it down personally? Okay, we need the paper copy. I thought that was annoying. So I took it down to the headquarters of this company I was doing some business with. And they said, oh, they'll see you now. I said, what about it? I, I said, I can just leave it here. I've got stuff to do. In fact, I've, I haven't eaten. I'd like to go to Pizza Express. Thanks very much. Because hand-delivering a, a, a flipping addendum was, you know, one page, I just had to give it to them. Really annoying. It's nearly a very expensive pizza. Wasn't it? <gasps> I, yeah, I was not happy. So I, I walked, they said, he's over here. You go in there and said, what? can you just take it into them? No, no. So I, they walked me into this oak paneled room filled with people. And I realized it was the board of the company that I was doing some business with. And I said, well, here's your addendum to the, the CEO. He said, ah, yes. Did you get the message? I said, what message? So I'm standing there in my Nikes jeans, you know, the t-shirt looking like a disheveled arse. And he said, oh no, we'd like to buy your company. <laughs> right. And which, which company was this at this stage? This was the moderation company. Right. Ironic, Rafe, don't you think that Ewan made his, his first money in, in moderation? Yes, you're quite. <laughs> a, a personality, oh. 
a, a personality <laughs> trait that he's been <laughs> so well known for. Ex- yes. Having- so you must have, it must have been quite an eye-opening experience to have that happen to you. Like, I mean, even in buying and selling companies, that's not a very common story. So it's, but what was the outcome of that? Very negative, actually, sadly. The moment was fantastic. I always remember the feeling and it was a phenomenal feeling, right? Because I had not expected it. And the big question is, okay, what's your figure? Right, I'm sitting there. They say, take a seat. Right, right. the whole board's there going, yeah, we want to buy it. And I was thinking, okay, right. Um, uh, 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 yeah, wait, wait, uh, what figure? What figure? And they said, so what will it take? Uh, uh, and I have no idea. No yeah. idea. Like, they, they know what they're paying me. I've got to think what, what the rest of the team want, what the terms, and you've just got to do real time. It's a lovely situation to be in. But the, the outcome was excessively negative. Expand when, on that a little bit, um, as much as you're able to, for the, before the, the tears. The company wasn't, yeah, there's the tears involved. Um, company wasn't able to buy my company because we didn't have the money we thought we had because of some accounting challenges uh, right. with, with the accountant that we were using at that time, which was pretty difficult. Hmm. Um, and that that then resulted in um, me having to make sure I paid off everybody correctly. So I had to shut that company down. So you went from exit to shutdown. Yeah, I was uh, um, in, in a space of a couple of weeks because yeah, in order for them to buy the company and agree a fee, they have to look at the accounts. And that's what I said. That was the due diligence. Presumably. Yeah, I said, look, could you just send the accounts over to the, and the, the guy went, um, well, when you say send them over, I said, yeah, just send the accounts to the, you know, send them. What you mean right now? Yes, right now and blah, blah, blah. So, and then I had to send another accountant to go and see this accountant who, who then said, ooh, Okay, so good news. Okay, right, let, let's, so, stop, let's so stop poking. Successful around. exit then. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a shocker. Uh, but that's the point there about the entrepreneur is it's, it'd be terrifically good to be successful, but yeah. um, you have to have your, well, you don't have to, but it's helpful to have some failures. Yeah, so successful exit. What was your, I mean, and because we're talking about your early years, this is yeah. why it's the origin story. Yeah. And I think people are more familiar with you later on, but what was your kind of, your first big success or exit in, in the, 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 you know, the, really the entrepreneurial big one, sense? Right, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I can't talk about it. No, no, genuinely, sorry. I should have told you beforehand. I can't talk about it. <laughs> Seriously, the contract doesn't prohibit. Uh, there we go. It. Yeah. Oh, you can. Can you name the, the, the figures? No, no, no. Can you can you say what kind of a business, what kind of thing the company did? No, I can tell you the figures. Or that's why I'm saying, trying to prompt you. <laughs> I can tell you the figure, which was uh, um, eight eight figures. Eight figures. Yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, I I got part of that, but not. The, the company, the exit I, was fantastic. I'm, I'm thinking you should have bought dinner. Actually, no, you did buy dinner, actually. <laughs> evening. No, so, they, but you've got I, to be really careful in like a lot of its stock. Yeah. And it's a lot of its cash. When you saw it's eight figures, well, okay, what exactly does that mean? All right. So it's stock and blah, blah, blah. So, blah. so, so there's some stuff you can't talk about. And fair yeah. enough. I mean, I, I don't really respect that, but fair enough. You know, if we have to, whatever. <laughs> but I'm interested in how you went from that meeting where the first time somebody offered to buy your company, it killed your company, to the second time yeah. where you thought, actually, We'll do this. And oh, we did it way better. Uh, and, you know, I knew exactly what I was doing. But why didn't you, after the first time, say, like, this is too risky? Like, I'm going to go and earn a salary somewhere uh, because, you know, making companies and trying to sell them is miserable because like, that must have been really miserable the first time because you'd made something cool. It, it worked well. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever reason, something that shouldn't have killed yeah, a company no, well, did. I'd, I'd made the mistake of, well, not a mistake, I think it was the right thing to do, is I'd look people in the eye and said, yes, I'll, I'll buy that service from you. Because the, you, you, there's a legal protection, right? You know, it's, it's a limited company you're doing business with, but actually it's me you're doing business with. So all these people that I was working with had to say, look, I'm sorry, I'll, you know, the company's shutting down because I've discovered some irregularities. Yeah, terrifically difficult. But I'm interested in the decisions you made after that to say, all right. oh, we'll do it again. 
like you know oh that, that was bad i've learned some lessons because you you always say like oh you know we learned the lessons and we did it better next time but i think if i'd been in that situation i might have said my lesson is i'm never doing that again that's too horrible yeah, yeah it took a little while i had a horrific time yeah really really bad mind, you, in the you, mindset yeah. tell, tell us about the pain tell us were you very sad were you yes, really yeah, really very, very sad, sad. yeah because i almost sold my company and I know you went through a couple of those iterations, oh, but God, then yeah. you then kind of moved more into what would probably be termed consultancy. And what was kind of the motivation for that? So I've been doing a lot of work in mobile and um, a lot of work around mobile, and I had lots of contacts in mobile. So when someone, you know, as as it happens, someone phones, phones you, say, oh, do you know much about iPads? Yeah. Well, uh, I happen to have one. <gasps> You've got an iPad? Yeah. Um, well, uh, uh, wow, uh, yeah, come and talk to us. And I, I ended up working with um, a big exhibition company, helping them with digital. And, you know, I was still very much of the, you understand I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I, um, yeah. you know and, so and, I, I can I can work with you, but, it's, you know, I, I, and I'm, you know I'm, I'm putting my hands up yeah. to my chest. And say, this is mine. I'm and, an entrepreneur. And that's the thing I'm interested in is you had one company that didn't sell and failed. Yep. And then you built some more companies. Yep. And then there's the one that you can't talk about, but yep. you did sell for yeah. eight figures uh, the reason but i can't talk about it is because other people involved and there's also a privacy element to it yeah, and, and it wasn't just me it was it's company i was working with a whole lot of other people exactly yeah. and, and it's yeah, right and, and it, joking aside it's right that yeah. we should respect that but i'm interested in you know having done two and had one bad yeah. one good like did you do more or do you then say actually i kind of i've had my fill of that and now i'm going to go consulting no i did a few more i did um event scope it's still running today. I run that with my wife. That's online networking for um, yeah. events and conferences. So you're, st- you're still doing what actually you you got into early doors. Yeah, yeah. That was 2003. I think we started that one. Really, really. It's been a wicked, wicked one. I loved it. And that's been fantastic. I, and I programmed the first version myself. I'm really proud yeah. of that. Probably got some pros in ever since. Have you? Sorry, you've got some professionals in to uh, uh, yes. to fix up that yes, code. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I do the first version of everything, and then I get other people to do it properly. <laughs> so, yeah. so I mean, yeah. I know there's been several. The other thing I want to touch on, which I know our listeners are going to be curious about, is you also started blogging in public, and there was SMS text news. Oh yeah, and that kind of evolved into mobile industry. So, why did you do that? Two thousand six. I was January is when I started SMS text news. Twenty sixth of January, I think it was, or twenty fourth, yeah. and I was doing that partially. You see, I had so many newsletters that I'd subscribed to for the mobile industry because I want, yeah. I was thirsty because I was using the services. And I thought it'd be quite interesting just to kind of put them all into one place and then maybe that would help me get more information to help me with my business. Yeah. So I started blogging on just on a daily basis and saying what I thought. And I had a lot of people that I knew in the industry that would just tell me stuff and I had my own opinions. And I just quite enjoyed it and I carried on. And um that then enabled me to fly to San Francisco. I took my wife to San Francisco. Uh, and we should probably point out back in 2006, you know, blogging was really, it's still a nascent thing. There yeah. weren't very many people doing this well, kind it, of online the, publishing. I called it SMS text news, as in daily text and SMS news about which, the SMS. Which says something about the state of the industry that was, then, only, right? that was the only thing. There was, you wouldn't do handset news. It was just Nokia sold some more. Next. Yeah, there, was, there was boring. There's nothing to say. So you, You're like the car phone warehouse of, of blogging, weren't you, really? Well, so. at that point. Then I changed it to Mobile Industry Review. Oh, now, I, I remember you changing it to Mobile Industry so Review. Are, so yeah. that, was, that was the after point we, we'd met. But early doors, though, the thing that always struck me about working with you, you know, either for fun projects or, or professionally, was there's a certain single-mindedness, and I could never work out why you would waste. I'm doing the bunny ears quotes. Why you would waste your time writing a blog when you could have put that time into, you know, doing work to improve the value of your company. There was an outlet. I really enjoyed it, and that it was, it was fun as a hobby, basically. 
And there is nothing better than getting a free phone through the post, I think. I mean, I'd gone by them, but it's it's quite cool. I really quite enjoyed that. And I loved, loved sharing that. I remember saying mm. to you, hey, do you want to try and review this one? It was just brilliant. It was really cool being sent hardware just yeah. to review and, and give my opinion. All of a sudden there was somebody, you know, a low level somebody. Uh, and I think this is great. actually an important point to get across because it's one of the reasons I think we all continue to do 361 podcast. It becomes almost a passion product yes. project as well. Yeah. And having that, you know, of course you will try and make it beneficial to yourself as well. But there is an element where you have to get that work-life balance. But if you can do something that's kind of uh, a passion project that also benefits you in terms of educating you more about the industry. And I can remember meeting you for the first time and we basically spent the first hour downloading information from each other, realising that we were kind of kindred spirits. Although I think even then we knew we had slightly different attitudes and, uh, and, and ways of doing things but struck it off immediately and I was at the back of a, a Nokia press conference and Ewan was the person that stuck his hand up and goes to Yorma Olia so what phone are you using right now and you could see all the sort of PR people starting to clock and go oh, that wasn't in the media training how does he answer that question and he just pulled two out and goes this great product and this great product answered it very well and actually that's since become a fairly standard question for people to ask mobile execs you know what's your favorite thing but back then when the you know the industry press in particular was very conservative and gray it was a breath of fresh air and there were the number of people blogging about mobile could be counted on one hand particularly and europe was probably ahead of america because europe was ahead in in the mobile industry and i can remember it being very refreshing coming across some with the same attitude it's since been a lifelong friendship and it's been an absolute pleasure right back at you blanford oh there we go i feel i feel a lot of love in the room here so we've got about five minutes left i want to just press the fast forward button because we've we've talked about those early days and okay there's a few bits we've skipped over but you know your passion was kind of mobile and i'm going to put words in your mouth but tell me if i'm wrong like the way that like mobile was like completely changed people's lives in, yes. in as much as you yes. know you talk about like accidentally shutting down a town in Essex because you know mobile advertising when it was local was so effective and as a 21 year old being able to write to Richard Branson and say I've got an idea but then to find a technology where that's really relevant and to start communities and things you know through mobile devices so let's fast forward now mm. like what is it you've been doing for the last couple of years I've been brush, I've no. been the contractor basically contingent labor as the phrase goes as in um, a freelancer a freelancer working with banks most recently but why why banks well RBS was in need of some you know, you know I was doing lots of digital communities way back when it just so happened they needed someone to help them with uh, digital communities back in 2013 I think it was I, I met them I had a chat to them they said look could you help us with this product I said sure yeah yeah so I came in and started helping them there. And I was fascinated by banking. I mean, I've always been fascinated by the banking services. And I just happened to have been a NatWest customer for ages. And that's, um, that's anyway. for, for people outside the UK, that's an RBS brand. NatWest RBS, same thing, yeah. And that's been really, really cool. I had a great time there. And then I went to Nationwide. Same kind of, you know, just freelancing. Great time there. And then again, uh, most recently with RBS. I mean, a wonderful time. And can I just, uh, I think one of the unique properties you had was you came from the digital industry and were able to inject some of that sort of, I'd hesitate to call it forward thinking, but certainly a different perspective to the traditional banking industry. Like the entrepreneur or the entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, well, just because I, I had a completely different background, completely different way of doing things than most people, which is, so you've got money, 
Yes. You got you, you got budget. Yes. And you've got the people. Yes. And you've been told you're allowed to do it. Yes. So why aren't you doing it? Yeah, what, what's your problem? Well, <laughs> you know, the, the Ewan McLeod <laughs> School of Management. <laughs> what's your problem? Get on with it. So so I know we're, I think, sometimes unfairly criticise Ewan for his screaming no. apologies, but actually it's a technique that's absolutely paid dividends and it's kind of cutting away that almost red tape and that almost inbuilt inertia to make things happen. And for all the mocking we do, I think that's a skill that's highly, highly underrated. And I see it all the time in yes. the digital space. And so what's the secret, Ewan? Yeah, I don't have an answer to that. You just, <laughs> I'm, I'm astonished at your polite words. Thank you very, very kindly, Blanford. All right, let me ask you a real question then. So I'm interested now in looking forward. All right. Right. Digital's everywhere. Yes. Like you know, your inbuilt advantage, I'm doing my bunny ears again, like of, of what you've learned. It's not unique anymore because there's a lot of people now who've grown up doing digital. Correct. Yeah. Younger than you. Yes. <laughs> I get to have a pop. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, digital's everywhere. And also it's not now novel. It's just like business as usual. You're in a bank now yeah. doing digital. Yes. This, is, this is not a place that people often think of that's going to, you know, kind of be a a hotbed of novel or dangerous or risky yeah. or exciting technology. And let's be honest, mobile has basically, if not well, gone the same well, way, right? it yeah. is certainly yeah. getting yeah. there. Yes. So now, like what gets you out of bed in the morning? What gets you excited? Because I think if I understand you at all, I think it's that you need to be passionate about what you do. You can't just do it for a job. You're right, it's here. And the fact that it is here and it is normal and commonplace to see people using their devices and you know, interacting with businesses with each other via digital means. I mean, even the word digital annoys me. I just, you know, it it, just, we need a better description, don't yeah, we? Unfortunately, that's the one that's stuck, isn't it? Yeah. I don't like these Casio watch, you know, 1980s digital um, <laughs> descriptions. It's wonderful to see it developed to such a point that my mother is using the technology day in, day out. Um, she's using Blooming Wild now, right? Yeah, that, that kind of stuff. The challenge, though, is to adapt. So for these very big companies, banks included, but not just banks, have such a challenge on their hands to understand not only the current generation of people using it, but the next generation of customers, and then adapt their services and products to that marketplace. And that is where I, mean, I, I I find it fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So do you think it's the difference from sort of mobile or digital being almost a, an add-on or kind of an alternative way of getting at the business for stuff that already exists, to digital being integral and driving the business forward and setting the agenda and the way you're going to integrate and operate with this is, you know, as we As we're seeing more or less continually now, you know, companies are rising and then falling directly as a result of, of digital and, and their strategies. Okay, pop quiz. On. One sentence answers, and we're going to wrap the show up. Okay, right. Scariest moment in your career, either as an entrepreneur or a, you know a, a, an advisor to businesses. Visit from the government. All right, expand on that slightly. I don't know why they visited the, the closure of the, the company the, the, the day we had to close the company down. The government sent a representative oh. from Her Majesty's Services just to check everything was 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 correct, and it was yeah. it was particularly yeah. poo actually. Uh, yeah. Proudest moment? Actually, the most memorable. If I, if I right. um, answer the question, you fancy it then? Yeah, well, okay. Like, yeah. One of the proudest moments was seeing he's changed uh, yeah. in the nightclub in Romford on the balcony, looking over at the massive giant screen running Impulse, our service, and I was being jostled out of the way by punters wanting to you know, excuse me out of the way, out of the way. They were saying uh, because they wanted to get the number to send a message to the screen, and that's when I, I knew that was pretty successful. The bit of kit or the 
bit of technology that you think was the most important for you? BlackBerry. The BlackBerry was fantastic because the BlackBerry, that instant email that worked worldwide, enabled me to run the businesses and, and do everything I wanted to do from anywhere. And it freed me up and it was fascinating. I loved it because I was able to travel a little bit and still no one cared because I was responding to email really quickly. Um, didn't care where I was. Most stupid or extravagant thing you bought along the way? I got really stressed for a little while and I flew to Barcelona to Hotel Arts and booked a suite of the, the Four Seasons and they, they, they then upgraded me to the apartment, the duplex apartment at the top of the hotel. Um, As they do. I don't know why they did this for a kind of them. It was just me. I was just trying to de-stress for, for, for two nights. It's just a bit of a waste, I think, but I had a great time. <laughs> and on that note... Right at the top. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> the future Chief Digital Officer of Nordea Bank. Oh dear. <laughs> well, I hope, if nothing else, we've given your future colleagues a taste of uh, what they're going to be working with. <laughs> I'm not so, sure. All right. Well, thank yeah, you. Great. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for your honesty, if nothing else. Lots of love. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we need to say some thank yous. Thank you very much to DHS LBI for hosting us. Thank you very much to Mark at audiowrangler.co.uk for editing this. As ever, we love to get your feedback. You can get us at 361podcast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. You can find us at 361podcast.com where you can leave us a voicemail. You can submit a comment through the form or you can get our email address if you'd like to contact us privately, as lots of you do. People tend to email us while they're going about their business listening to the podcast. So please do that and we'll reply pretty quickly normally and then we might even mention you on the show or even do shows about you if you're interesting enough okay we will be back next week thank you very much for listening bye-bye your mcleod origin story (laughs) are you okay with all of that (laughs) yeah i think so just trying to remember that um have you libeled anyone inversely well i've got a concern that people email oh that wasn't what happened because what I haven't had to give you there was kind of roughly, you know, I can't remember the dates. I can't remember. Yeah, but um, this is not the definitive record. This is no. this is having a chat in the pub about do you remember when? Okay, you all know? right, fine. And, and that's that's, what, that's the only thing. That's then, what I'll continue to say I'm, all the way to court. And sorry about like, the, uh, the. I can't talk about that. I can't talk about that. <laughs> Excellent. We, we probably should have <laughs> yeah. probably should have discussed. Yes, what, yes. <laughs> lawyer no, no, I really can't talk about that. Okay. Yeah. But I just think, for my mind. I can't imagine emailing Richard Branson at the age of 21 and no, just I, thinking... I wrote a letter. Oh, sorry, I wrote a letter, but... Yeah, you could email at that no, point. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine thinking, oh, you know, that's a person I'm going to reach out to with an expectation of a reply. I didn't know. I just thought I'd try it. So that, now, that is what, the, that is what they were right attitude, on, yeah. On, yeah, on the front of your autobiography. It's you and McLeod. I just thought I'd try it. You know? <laughs> it, it, it about a month or two, two went by and he yeah. wrote back. Yeah. A signed picture as well. Nice. I, I, I suppose I can't. I mean, whether it's, you know, big money, small money, whatever, I can't imagine making something like a firm and then having discussions about selling like, you know, my job, my livelihood, the thing I've created, because it feels like everything's all in this one bit, you know, this one package. I'm interested because I almost can't, just can't relate. You know, it's just completely alien to me. I don't know how to describe that then because it feels quite straightforward to me. And, you know, I wasn't building stuff to sell. Mm. The best success I've had was with a group of individuals. It wasn't just me. Yeah. It's never like, oh, look at you and he's so clever. But similarly, a very small minority of people are genuinely entrepreneurs, you know, make things, sell them, make another thing, sell it. Because, you know, most of us, you know, myself, really difficult. We, you know, we, we earn money because somebody else pays us to do a thing mm. for them, you know, and that might be a good idea or a bad idea, but, you know, it, it's not about making a thing that has value beyond 
beyond what you do. I, the novelty well, of that. I see, but then you've created Wireless Worker. Yeah, exactly. Blanford's made all well, about Symbian. But we've, Empire. All, we've all made hobbies with varying degrees of success. But if that went away overnight, as it pretty much has over time, you know, frittered away into nothing, it went as easily as it came. Whereas, you know, that was the thing you did all day, every day, you know, mm. all your investment of energy and hope. Now, enough on that, because that's the topic we just talked about. Mm. I'm very much looking forward to the Rafe Blanford story. Well, this is, I was just thinking about that, right? I'm thinking because some theme music. I'm thinking maybe uh, some, you know. Can we some, do it at the estate? I was thinking maybe what we do is we we get him to pose for a new like uh um, I thought you were gonna say nude. Nude <laughs> no no a so nude. that was last week. <laughs> <laughs> a new portrait. You know, Rafe on a horse or owns. Yeah, exactly. You know, Rafe maybe flogging a peasant or something. You when know. are we gonna do the I think uh, you're gonna be disappointed, if I'm honest. Well you can tell us all about Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> away from say Cambridge I know I know it makes him <laughs> so cross but yeah if, if uh, we, we definitely yeah. we definitely do like the, the Rafe Blanford story later in the season what about the Ben Smith story the Ben Smith story could follow but actually it's slightly more conventional and less exciting than the Rafe Blanford story because I want to hear about Rafe Blanford tell us what it was like to be there in the days when Nokia was flying high and that had no guard up, like, you know, the access that you had, or the access I imagine you had, because this is something that we've only talked about in passing. So I want to investigate that one, but I think- oh, I'm looking forward to Blanford. Yeah. It's going to be way better than mine. I, I reckon people, if people know that we're doing that episode, there will be, maybe from the sort of the hardcore, like the Rafe fanboys, the Rafe Ferrati. You know, there's a lot of them. They'll there be, is a they'll lot be emailing them. in with their questions. So I, yeah. I can imagine that happening. But, mm-hmm. you know, Rafe it now, the new- Best, best Nokia it's, it's CEO. Honest, the new honestly, calm Rafe not, will handle it, that. It's honestly not as exciting Best as you seem to be PR rep that you've dealt with. Uh, imagining, but um, there are a few anecdotes which may be worth sharing. Are we going to talk about the naked one? I think that's probably one of them that has to come up. Cool. Yeah, yeah there that's go. a bit of a trail there for everyone. <laughs> naked, naked yeah. Rafe. We should share our favourite Rafe Blanford stories as well. Mine, mine is still the uh, yeah. I know, still, uh, still uh, under disclosure. No, no, no. The one, the one with the, all the the fan girls. Oh lives. yeah. That's, that's, oh, that's I thought good. you were going to say the one where. You, Exclusive access to the air with the croissants, and you were made to s- sit at the back. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. the MWC where Rafe had a dedicated desk with his name on it, and you and I? We got peanuts. I think we didn't even get our chairs with our names on it. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, we know him. Yeah. So, Denmark, you are leaving after we recorded the end of this season. So, yeah. season 14 is going to be the first yeah. Anglo Danish right. 361. That's right. Or Scandinavian, if you want. Yeah, Scandinavian. We can all wear the jumpers from the killing. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to have to research a long set of Lego jokes and, yep. then, and Danish pastries Well, I'm jokes. already a massive Lego fan anyway, so I've been buying lots of Lego for the children and, anyway. And we can teach the Americans not to call it Legos, which oh, drives me mad. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Those Legos are really cool. No, that's wrong. It's yeah. Lego. Lego yeah. is plural. There you go. What a very positive and exciting thing to end the show. Bring it.